0: We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Well, in a few moments' time, uh, we're going to be hearing from Darius. Uh, But before that, I just wanted to introduce this series to you. Uh, so, uh, as you know, we're embarking on a two-part sermon series here entitled Conversations About Race, which is going to run alongside some home group uh, studies uh, of the same name. Back in 2019, we established a listening group here at Emmanuel to help us to hear w- what it's like for people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds to be uh, at Emmanuel. And uh, that experience has been both incredibly rewarding and incredibly challenging. Rewarding in that it's wonderful to hear the ways in which Emmanuel is a welcoming and inclusive church and an increasingly diverse church too. But challenging to realize how far we still have to go challenging to begin to understand something of my and our unconscious biases and of the tacit and institutional racism that still exists in our midst alongside that group i've been spending a bit of time uh, with darius we've been journeying together having lots of conversations and again that's been wonderful and also quite difficult at times some of the conversations are hard we've both had to uh, work out at times that language lets us down uh, but to see one another's hearts I've had to uh, receive uh, with the grace that, D- that Darius gives it some of the challenges um, that I hadn't seen in my own life and that I wanted to protest against but that Darius has helped me to understand uh, both for me and for our church and so as we embark upon this series I want to say a couple of things firstly we're not jumping on a bandwagon here This is something that John and I and across the leadership are committed to as being an essential part of our discipleship, as part of loving God and loving others. This isn't an optional extra, how we deal with people, uh, how we engage with people, how we meet and worship and serve alongside people who are different from us in a whole host of different ways. It's not an optional extra, it's an essential part of discipleship. I want to recognize, too, that it might be uncomfortable. In fact, I think probably that it should be uncomfortable. Sometimes discipleship is. And so I want to urge you, if there are moments of discomfort in what we're talking about, firstly, please remember the heart with which we're doing this. This is a good heart and a godly heart. And if language lets us down um, or if... um, or or if something causes you discomfort then 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 see the heart of what we're doing and then also i want to encourage each of us to push through that discomfort to see what god might be challenging us as individuals and as a community about so i'm going to pray and then hannah's going to read to us and darius is going to come and speak Lord God, we pray for your mercy upon us as we think uh, about issues of race and colour and ethnicity, as we think about um, who you are and who we are in you, and quicken our hearts to yours, that we might know clearly what your spirit is saying to us. Lord, pray for Darius as he comes to preach. Uh, Thank you for his wonderful giftings, and we pray that as he opens up uh, this passage from the Bible to us, that we would know your leadings and your promptings. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hannah is going to read to us.
1: Today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48. Then Peter began to speak. I now now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had once come... Who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: What's up, Emmanuel Croydon? Uh, It's it's always a complete honour to be invited to come to to be with you. And I know I say this every every time I come, for those of you who have met me at the the evening services, uh, Ben, Ben is my boy. Ben and I have, have 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 shared times together over over the months um, that, quite honestly, have been quite healing for me. And um, it's 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 just amazing to be here and to see him in the flesh in these kind of digitally separated times. I met John as well for the first time this morning. Um, the guy that I've heard so much about. So it's good to meet. He's tall, isn't he? It's good to meet him in the person. Um, but not many of you know me, uh, but one of, one of my biggest passions, those of you who do know me, uh, will know that one of my biggest passions is, is music. In fact, back in the day, I was, a, a DJ by night. I played R&B, soul, hip-hop, that kind of thing. And to this day, this is a significant part of my background. It was in those DJing years that I began hungering after God. A friend of mine invited me on an alpha course where I began my Christian journey, and it was one of the most significant times in my life. But, in hindsight, it was also quite a problematic time. I'll come back to that bit later. But for now, what I will say is that because of my background, I was unfamiliar with church spaces. I was definitely unfamiliar with majority white church spaces. So imagine me walking in, in my tracksuit bottoms, a hoodie, and my do-rag. That was my casual attire. Little did I know, I was entering into a world of neutral-colored corduroys, check shirts, and boat shoes, I immediately felt like the odd one out. Then I notice a table set out with wine glasses in perfect formation. The table is manned by two smiley people who are filling up the wine glasses for the alpha guests. But instead of wine, they're filling the glasses with juice. You what? Now bear in mind that by this point in my life, I've already spent years in bars and clubs and this is the first time in my life I have ever seen a human being drinking juice out of a wine glass. It felt like I'd walked into an alternative universe. My nervousness increased. I started tripping, what have I let myself in for? What kind of strange cult is this? I knew that I was far from home. I scanned the room at all the shiny, happy faces, and in an attempt to not stand out anymore, I forced a nervous smile onto mine. Nice story, Darius. But what the heck does that have to do with the book of Acts? Well, I'm going to come to that part, but first, let's do a recap. As most people know, Luke's gospel and Acts are a two-part volume of work. In Luke's gospel, Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, and this is how Acts begins with Jesus jamming with his disciples for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Jesus promises that the Spirit will come and tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. At this point, he also tells them that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This passage really sets out the manifesto for the book of Acts. Chapters 2 to 7 are the Jerusalem part of the story. We get Pentecost, where the worshippers hear tongues in the languages of the Gentiles. Pentecost highlights a theme that would run right through the New Testament. What does it mean in practical terms that the God of Israel is too the God of the Gentile nations? What does it mean that God's kingdom, which once consisted of only the Jewish people, is being opened up by the Holy Spirit and now includes the Gentiles? This movement of Christ draws persecution from the religious powers in Jerusalem. So the church flees. Jerusalem part done. So in chapters 8 to 12, where we find ourselves today, we see the church has, as Jesus said it would, reached Judea and Samaria. The disciples are now in more Gentile territory. So we meet Simon the magician and an Ethiopian eunuch, both of whom become believers. All the while, with every Gentile convert, the Spirit wins... The church is becoming more global. In chapter 9, we have the road to Damascus narrative where Saul meets Jesus and is changed instantly. And Jesus calls Saul, note, the one he chose to bring his name before Gentiles as well as the people of Israel. See the theme? Then we reach chapter 10. Here we meet Cornelius, the Gentile God-fearer. Christ tells Cornelius to link up with Peter. Meanwhile, God gives Peter a vision of religiously outlawed foods and commands Peter in the vision to eat them. What God has made clean, you must not call profane, Jesus says to Peter. And Peter is perplexed at the meaning of this vision until Cornelius' men appear. And when Cornelius and Peter meet, Peter interprets the vision when he says, you yourself know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anything profane or unclean. These words of Peter set a new, mind-blowing precedent for the church. So here we are in this morning's passage. And following this revelation of God, Peter is addressing Cornelius and co. And thus, his opening words make perfect sense. Essentially, what Peter is saying is, I now know how true it is that God isn't prejudiced against Gentiles. But now, in every other nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter preaches, and again the Holy Spirit moves. And verse 45 reads, The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. Even on on those once considered unclean. The kingdom has expanded from the heart of Judaism, Jerusalem, and has poured itself into the hearts of Gentiles. Which raised a question that was critical for the Acts Church What does belonging look like now? It's no coincidence that Luke records this statement about the circumcised believers. Because circumcision, up to this point in history, was the sign and mark of belonging to God's people. We find it as early as Genesis that God says, This is my covenant covenant which you shall keep. Every male among you must be circumcised. This doesn't apply just to babies, but any man who would enjoin himself to this people. To belong to God's people as a man was to be circumcised. Women too had to convert and become Jewish. Therefore, to worship God, you had to assimilate into Judaism. No exceptions. And what is important to see is that for a Gentile to be circumcised in order to become Jewish is to forfeit their Gentile identity. is to be forced to leave their gentile nests at the door. is to go to Jerusalem to worship, which is the city of the Hebrews, to hear the scriptures in the language of the Hebrews. is to sacrifice many of your customs, your culture, your traditional foods and thus to a certain extent your ethnicity in order to enjoin God's people. In other words, up until this point, Gentiles, in order to worship God, had no choice but to fit into a Jewish-shaped institution. And I would argue that the opposite of belonging is fitting in. If you need to lose a God-given part of yourself, literally in the case of Gentile men, say no more, can you ever truly belong? Will you always be the Gentile who converted? A second class citizen in a foreign country. From this point, the game has entirely changed the covenant is blown completely open Gentile covenantal belonging is now truly possible and an international movement calls for an international sign of belonging so Peter baptizes them in the name of Jesus Christ now this shift was a hurdle for the Acts church. If we jump forward to Acts 15 at the Council of Jerusalem, we see this movement of the Spirit being questioned. Acts 15 1 reads, then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now these people making this point. Do so in the light of hundreds and hundreds of years of circumcision as a norm. So we've got to have sympathy with their views. And the theme of Gentile circumcision was significant in us for us to find was significant enough for us to find it in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, and Colossians. But we've got to recognize that this command for Gentile circumcision and thus conversion to Judaism directly contradicted what the Holy Spirit was doing. This was the point that Peter made in Acts 2 as he interpreted the Pentecostal tongues for the crowd. Citing a prophecy from Joel, Peter reminded the crowd that God had already told them that in the last days he would pour out his Spirit on all peoples. This flinging open of the kingdom gates that we see in Acts is a fulfillment of the promises God made of old. And to resist this and insist on any other condition to salvation is to stand against God. The movement of the Spirit in Acts 10, and we need to see this, is to bring together, to reconcile two people, Peter and Cornelius, who never, ever, ever should have been seen dead together. It is a sign of what is to come a new citizenship not around religion or culture or nationality or class or color or race, but around a kingdom that is ruled by the king of all kings, Jesus. That is what the heart of true Pentecostalism is. That is what the heart of true charismatic faith is. The Spirit reveals to us that if it wasn't for Jesus, not one single Gentile, including me, gets a look in. Christ's new kingdom leaves absolutely no room for ethnic, racial, or nationalistic hierarchy. Can I get a virtual amen? and a literal one too (laughs) but here's the problem even though Christ won all of this for us it's done Christ has done it we still fail to realize it in practice therefore we can by the way we do church Ask new members to, figuratively speaking, be circumcised before they can be saved. Which leads me back to my wine glass story. If we're serious about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, all of us have got to do some deep work in order to move from asking people to fit into the dominant group's space, towards creating a space that belongs to all of us. We've got to learn the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just reveal that we belong to God, but also reveals that in Christ we profoundly belong to each other. This Acts passage amongst other things, shows us that God's intention was always that the kingdom of God would and will include multi-ethnic kinship. So yes, I became a Christian at that church. Praise God. But most of the biggest barriers and traumas that I've had to overcome in church since have had nothing to do with Christ and everything to do with the unspoken cultural and racial expectations placed upon me in order that I could fit into a white-shaped church. Most churches I've been in haven't even begun to do the deep theological work of separating white middle-class church culture from the gospel. So without even realizing it, we offer a circumcised gospel. We bundle in whiteness and middle-classness with the gospel similarly to how early Christians bundled in circumcision. That leaves everyone else trying to fit into a space that's designed for someone else. Will either that... Or go elsewhere. And one example that I am... And I'm aware... This is a sensitive one. As a DJ and with my DJ in background... When I became a Christian... For over 15 years... I lived on a church diet... Of soft rock guitar music. Now you'd be hard pressed to find a radio station, including the churchy ones that plays guitar music all day long. Not to have a dig at guitar music, if that's your jam, big up. It's just not for me. And while I'm not here to generalize, I do want to highlight the reality that there are some important connections to explore between race and taste. So in 2020, as we awake to the reality that we live in a racialized Britain, we've got to take care that our messages of belonging are around the gospel and not around the tastes of the dominant group. Our spaces, our culture, and our worship should be carefully crafted around our multicultural, multi-ethnic and multiracial context. And this is no mean feat. I recognize that. But let me tell you where it begins. It begins with Peter and Cornelius, with the movement of the Holy Spirit, with two men who by their own standards should not be together. It happens when we open up our homes to people in our church who are socially different to us. And we build genuine fellowship, not because they look like us or had a background like us, but because Christ is in us. When we build godly, challenging, cross-cultural connections around the cross rather than settling for the ease of sameness... We've got to grapple with the kind of conversations that the Acts Church did. We've got to interrogate our norms and assumptions together as the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 did. It happens when we're serious about embracing the discomfort of the cross, as Ben said earlier. Yesterday, Ben and I were on the phone and we agreed that dying to self was never supposed to be a cakewalk. But what dying to self does is create space for the others. Emmanuel, 2020 is the year where we can all take a further step into the legacy of Acts 10 for groups of people who have historically never been together to start living not just as polite Christchurch acquaintances, but as true blood brothers and sisters of Christ for a truly international, multiracial church of Christ, both in symbol and in love for one another. The new family of God that was inaugurated during the Acts 10 period meant that Jew and Gentile, slave and free men and women were united and shared life together in a way that wasn't possible before this move of God. For the Gentile or for the woman or for the slave, that leveled the playing field. They now entered into a a space that belonged to all of them. And the membership in this space was never meant to be around social currency, but around forgiveness of sins and worship of King Jesus. The challenge is that when we look at the people who make up this community of faith, we've got to ask ourselves, are they represented in my friendship groups? Are they the people that my kids play with? Are they the ones that I sit around the table with, go on a holiday with? Are we having those vulnerable conversations that enable us to have fellowship across cultural and racial divisions? Are we even aware of the cultural barriers we ask others to overcome just in order that they can fit in? Have we allowed the gospel to do its painfully profound work of interrogating our need to have things the way we like them? May God mercifully pour out his spirit once again upon his church that our eyes will be opened to our blindness in the same way that Saul's were. That our ears will be open to each other's lament. That our mouths would speak words of healing and grace unto each other. And that our feet would be moved towards each other. That from Emmanuel and beyond, the kingdom of God would manifest and join us together beyond social sameness and beyond our human tastes and preferences. That we would be that Holy Spirit-inspired global family of God offering true belonging to all believers regardless of their background and thus be a picture of the gospel of Jesus, a forgiven people, Living out that forgiveness towards one another. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram see and hear what's going on in the life of our church God bless you and have a wonderful week